Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at dub.com. We are live. <laughs> Boom. Yes, we are. That, that hit of dopamine just hits us. <laughs> We need more filmmakers and we need more storytellers. You were just giving a great analogy. Um, can you just drop that? Happy to. I'm Wendy Weiner and um, I'm a film producer. And so Randy Greenberg, who's an exceptional film producer, actually stepped off our project because he went exclusive. He did The Meg. He executive produced The Meg, which is a little little shark, big shark, a little ocean, and then oh, yeah. made, made over half a billion dollars internationally. And so he got signed exclusively for Meg 2. But he's a good friend and a great mentor, and he always megalodon. Meg is short for megalodon. Megalodon, the big shark. Oh yeah, and um, great ad campaign. Just a just a a brilliant guy in the industry. Done a lot of cool stuff, and he always gives us the analogy that every 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 film, so even a thirty second spot, has to have two things: has to have wings and landing gear. So if you want to make an impact, so the wings are how it soars, and that's all great. And the landing gear is how it sells. So first, he says, you build the landing gear. First, you know how you're going to sell it, and then you know how, the, how, how wide and, and exotically paint, you know, painted the wings can be. And that's the key element here, making sure that you know how this piece is going to be sold. Because it doesn't do anybody any good if we make the if we make the right now if this is voted the by one person the best podcast they've ever seen, but only one person sees it. Now you go out the best. Like there's a there's a, a really lauded in some of the papers. All the movie theaters in the country have been closed, right? But there's one guy who made like a quickie, no budget short film, mm. and he went in and he, he rented a movie theater in on Long Island, I think. And he bought every seat in the movie theater and had over the weekend and had one showing. But okay. nobody could attend, obviously, because of social social distancing. One showing. Okay. And so that no budget indie short film technically was the number one grossing film in the country for the week. <laughs> So was the film any good? I don't know. I'm not betting in the bank on it. But he can say I've had the number one film in the country. Now, you, you you dig deeper into that. There's not a lot of meat in that sandwich, right? But the fact is, he can say that. So if we do the best podcast, we don't know how to sell it. We don't know how to convey this point. Right. You know how how are we gonna get to the next step? Our whoops, got it. Our big focus is not just to tell stories. In a vacuum, you know, that's great. I can sit here in my, what did you call this? I'm sitting in the basement because that's where the best Wi-Fi, I don't know what's wrong with Wi-Fi. So, and uh, what you call it? A, co- a, quir- a co-quirking space, I think you call it? Because it's like <laughs> quirky. Quirking space. Quirking space. It's, a, I'm like, it's a quirky co-working space. It's right, so there's space. like my basement stairs, which look like holy heck, I, you know, and I'm sitting on the floor in the laundry room because that's what worked best. Great, we have the best time ever. If nobody ever sees it, does it do anybody any good? If I make the, a great film, great, compelling, impactful, wonderful film, and I say, oh, I'll just put it on a shelf here and see what happens. I'm not talking, you know, it's like one, you know, 
I'm not talking like put on a video store shelf. Well, I guess that'll get you nowhere either way. So put it, it doesn't do any good. Distribution is what counts. So how do we get seen? How do we have our stories seen? There, a lot of people do a lot of tagging. LinkedIn, tag, hashtag, hashtag, and tagging a bunch of people. You know, you're going to get a bunch of likes, and that was great. Oh, that matters. Who's going to search you out when you haven't tagged everybody that you know? They have to, they have to go looking. You know, how, they have to go looking for what you provide. And the only way they do that is if they ha they've had a bit of an experience with you. And that's what it is. So uh, we have a book-to-film project. Um, it's, it's just a, an amazing project that my producing partner brought to me. Now, here's the scoop. Let's start from the very beginning. Four years ago, my producing partner, Noah Bewley, was my Lyft driver in Los Angeles. Mm. So one night I was working, I was meeting with Randy, as a matter of fact, and we were, had to step out of a project, and I called a lift, and who picked me up was this, uh, never saw him except for a little app. You know, what, have you, how many times do you remember the little phone in the app? Totally. So I, so I got in his car, and I was on fire after this meeting. A lot had gone wrong, a lot had gone right. I'd learned a lot, and he said, I've, I've moved from the central coast of California. I'm living with some buddies in Pasadena. I'm writing a screenplay. We hear that all the time in L.A. Right. So I, I was like, you have a dialogue coach who's working with you. How are you getting it done? That are like all this stuff. And I firehosed him, and he had great answers. He was on top of it. I was super impressed with his answers and his, his intensity and his sensitivity. Like he just had a thing. He shines. My kids are like, Mommy, does he shine? Does he she shine? You know, you could just tell when someone has just got that right energy. So I said, here's my contact, here's my card. I'm happy to connect you with people in LA. I live in Minnesota, but I'm happy to connect you with people in LA that can help you and sit down with you and mentor you a bit and, and help you get to the next step. Sure enough, two days later, I'm back in Minnesota and he emails me. Hi, this is Noah, your Lyft driver. That's all it was, uh, he said. And sure enough, um, I, with a smiley face at the end, and I said, I'm so glad you, and I like, kind of fire hosed you and I felt bad and I was giving a lot of, just, he said, no, that was great. And after a few so months, he, he didn't give any context in his email. He just said, "Hey, I'm your Lyft driver with a smiley that's face." That's it. That's it. It's all. It's all I needed. Hi, I'm Noah, your Lyft driver with a smiley face. That's all I needed. And uh, and I. It almost so obligated you to respond. You know. He it's was really pitchless, memorable. He it's shined. the pitchless pitch. Totally, totally, and it was so effective. It was like, oh, do you remember? No, no, I didn't have like he had to say that. He knew that he knew the conversation was so impactful that I wasn't going to forget. And um, and I said, you know, I, I'm happy to catch with mentors. And he, his immediate response was, I'd rather work with what's in front of me. I'd rather work with you. Take, you know, let's take me as far as we can, and then let's see what we have to do. Like that was his answer. So after a couple of months of really intensive mentoring back and forth, again I'm in Minnesota, talking on the phone occasionally, text, email. But he'd send me a script, and I liked it. And I liked it so much. I thought, but I, I think I like this. I like this person. So um, young, he was twenty-two or twenty-three at the time. So I said, "Why don't you?" Um, I gave it to two people on my team who never like anything. These guys never like anything, and they both came back and went, hmm, "This is really interesting. It's a really cool story." So I said, "This is you know, this is interesting, and I think we should go into business to produce your film." I'd never seen his face. So because I don't care, what do I care? I'm a grandmother. Like, what do I care? But I just knew he had this thing. So after a few months, my youngest daughter, who's 18 now, but she's 14 at the time, and she's smarter than I'll ever be, said, Mom, you're spending a lot more time mentoring Noah than you do the rest of your strays. You should maybe Google him and see if he's a serial killer. I was like, Google has that? Cool. 
So I Google him. Click on the serial killer checkbox. Like it's that. Let's see. Let's look at his profile. You know, the six three serial killer. So I Googled him, and what I found instantly was a modeling portfolio. And uh, Ruben, I see a lot of headshots. I do a lot of casting. This is, I mean, this is stellar. Like GQ magazine spreads and like high end brands. And so I texted him and asked, "Can we have FaceTime?" And he's like, "Yeah, that'd be great. Ten o'clock, fine. Ten o'clock. That face popped up, man. It was the exact opposite of catfish." And the first thing I said to him, the first thing I said to him was, I'm, I said, I'm so sorry. I'm so glad I loved your soul before I saw your face. Mm. He said, me too. And so I, and I said, but is this you? And I like held my phone up to the laptop and he said, didn't I mention? I've been a high fashion model since I was 14. Uh, my first client was the International. Um, but I, I'm, I'm quiet. I'm shy. And I'm, I, I prefer to be behind the camera. And I've done films, done TV, but I really prefer to be behind the camera. And I said, I got to ask, like, I know what you had to be making when you're modeling full time. Why were you driving Lyft? And his answer cemented his place in my heart. He said, I was looking for you. I'm, <laughs> I'm too shy. I'm too, I'm too quiet to go to industry parties and do all that stuff and sort through the stuff. I don't want that. But I believe that focus goes where energy flows. And so I decided that I was going to find somebody who was going to get in my car, a producer, who was going to help me take my, my material to the next step. And that's, and, but some, from that night, the night I got in this car for the first time, we were working together. And um, so we have written a, um, so he brought me the script and we took it apart and added flesh on the bones and I'm about characters of theater background characters and all that kind of stuff and then he we wrote and then we brought it to Randy he said this is really good but it has to be a book and we're like what and he said yeah it's book to film now you gotta have a manuscript you gotta have a book Turned into him. We so wrote it explain that one it's it's book to film why do you, why do you what is that so there's a there's a it, publishers have a first look deal with studios or studios have a first look with publishers like they have their their parent companies and they look so you'll always see, look at in the library, now a major motion picture, you know, you, you go into an airport, you see in the bookshop, then the gift shops, you know. So that's where most ideas are generated. There's got to be a lot of intellectual property for each project. It can't just be a one-off, like, oh, we made a film. Oh, I'll, I'll get the farm and we'll, you know, barn and we'll do a show. It's, there's a lot of intellectual property attached. And so that has to come from book. Now that's book or or it can be a graphic novel to film. That's just a natural progression because a studio wants to invest in all different ways that they're going to ancillary properties that they're going to make money. So, I mean, basically that to me, because I'm a pretty impatient person, and if I want to get into this game, it's basically half a decade. <laughs> so it's funny how fast, well, we had the script, like he handed me the script. We took it apart and then we took, and then, um, we shot another film, a short film that's done really well in the film circuit, um, film festival circuit, and kind of as a side, and we really put the book together. And we really had a great um, co-author. We brought in Amy Blaschka, who I knew pretty well, and I knew that she would be able to, like, polish the edges. And so the manuscript came out. We signed with one agent, Larry Agent, who was just a great guy, super well-connected on the West Coast. But sadly, he got very sick and he had to medically retire. So he, we stepped out, got another agent, Vincent Solera in Montreal, who's a great guy, super artistic, very visual. And now it's, and then, then you have, have to have the property, the book property and the script and then the film. And then the video game will come out after it. So are we time's up? 
Was that like, that's am- okay, when they stop talking? That's amazing. No, that's actually so, uh, that's actually uh, getting a phone call here. Let's see oh, that's my, cool. Let's see if it's uh, the literary literary agent that I've actually been looking for for my book. Really? I'm, I'm just about to I drop it. I know a it. guy. I know I, a you guy. You know what? I need a guy or Are a gal. Gonna... I... <laughs> okay, so we're I... going to have more conversations, Ruben. You know, this my... one's a great guy. <laughs> great agent. My, so... I have gone through this whole process, and uh, at least the, the, the book part of this, and I actually didn't know we'd be talking about this, so it's really interesting. I'd love to get your feedback because I haven't sure. done this before. This is my first book. And basically, my story is that, you know, I've had some of the most interesting conversations with people over the last, like, 12 months, actually, just like this. Cool. In, in, in this podcast. Oh, no, no. I want to be the most interesting. No, no. no it's, right this the- is headed there. This is headed there. Cool. Especially if you can give me a literary agent. <laughs> no, but... Uh, I can happens? get you an introduction. <laughs> you can get you a literary agent. So we will have this conversation. Yeah, no, but in all seriousness, I, I've had some of the most interesting conversations in this podcast, and I am so grateful because I've learned so much. I've learned more in this than in any other experience in my life. Like you, you can't probably, go to school. You can't, you can't, no, there's nothing you can learn no. from a book. There's nothing that, that replaces having a conversation. That's and right. that's, that's a great point. And what's the on, entry point in a conversation? What do you think when you, like I look for someone who shines, I can't just find it. There's a certain energy about them and there's a positivity and there's a, there's a, um, a willingness, a sensitivity, and a compassionate component. Like, if they shine, it's like, oh, I'm, I want to hang out with that person and have a conversation. Um, you, I watched your videos, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'll do this. I want to talk to Ruben. Like, I want to know what makes him tick because um, he is so curious about everybody else. It's like, oh, that's just really cool. That's just a great um, attribute. That's a great skill. What's the first entry point into having these good conversations? You got, you, you got to trust that you have something to say mm. and that the other person has something to give you yeah. in, in that information. Like, okay, none of these things happen in a vacuum. Like right. you and I just connected and I was like, oh, yeah. And you're like, could you want? I'm like, yeah. None of it happens in a vacuum. But that vacuum starts when someone flips a switch. I'll be open and I'm willing to tell you what I think and what my what what I'm doing and I'm willing to share this with you and I'm willing to help you do what you need to do. So I believe I'm I'm convinced that we stand on the shoulders of giants. I know that Noah and I do. We've worked with so many great people who will just who will just push us forward in the tiniest way and they're like, "Wait a minute. You know, how do you how do you thank them?" So the key is you can't, you can say thank you. And they're like, what? I just did what I always do. So we're not, we have to find an opportunity to repay that forward. So the well, first I, thing. I got to tell you this. Yeah. And, and I love what you're saying. And for me, it comes down to one word, which is vulnerability, which is, it is. something that has, it, it is the hardest thing to learn how to do. Especially it's if you instinctive prefer. though. Oh, <laughs> it's the hardest thing to learn how to redo. <laughs> because yeah. in, it's instinctive, I believe. Like we yes. all want to be vulnerable, and we all, you know, we all. But we, oh, I don't want to do that again. Yeah. Like I, I just did a post, and and Vincent said to me just half an hour ago we were talking, and he said, I was on the floor laughing. I had spoken to a guy, and he said, you know, I'm a mentor, and I'd love to talk to you. And I was like, they're great. And he said, tell me everything that's going on. So like for 12 minutes, I did. I just puked out everything that's going on because it's a right. lot. We have a lot and a lot of energy. And he looked, and he said to me, like it wasn't even, it was just on the phone. So I would have loved to have seen his facial expression. He said to me, you're a lot. 
And at first I was, I was like, yeah. And he's like, you're, you're a lot. I, it's more than I, it's not what I usually deal with. And I was at the end of conversation. And for a while I was like, crud, I'm a lot. You know, mm. oh my gosh. And then, then flip. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to post this on LinkedIn. He's on LinkedIn, but he's, what it, he's done, whatever. And then, and I, and then I was like, and people came back and said, you know what? Seriously? Being a lot is a good thing. Yeah. Like I can't multitask at all. I can't do a lot. Like nobody can trash a kitchen the way I can. If I cook, it's a wet hot. It's you call you know call the coast guard to clean up. It's bad. <laughs> like there are a lot, I'm terrible at most things, but the fact is that there's we have something to give, and I'm willing to be vulnerable and say, look, this is my bag. This is my baggage. God, I got some serious baggage, and this is my. But I'm willing to be open. And what I found with Noah is that he was also willing to be open and say, I don't know how to do that, but I trust that you do, so let's just go. Let's just go. Mm. On that, yeah, that's, and that's, that's huge. That, I mean, that's, you know what that's, you know what's interesting to me is, um, you know, my my friend Gina Schreck, who, who's written some great books. And, I um, loved her movies, by the way. Shreck, oh, just kidding. Oh, just yeah, there Shreck, you go, there you kidding. go. She's, the, op she's the opposite of that. She's a, she's a beautiful oh, woman. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, but she, uh, what's really interesting is that she told me one thing that, I, that really resonated with me once, which is that, Business videos or emails or writing or email, whatever it is, they're like love letters, you know, to, to, to customers yeah. or to prospects, you know, and, well, you know, minus cool. all the romance yeah. and minus all that stuff. It's, yeah, yeah. it's, it's two people connecting at like two right. souls connecting, like right. trusting one another, you know, right. And very similar to how you had that love story with Noah in that very romantic. I mean, that's almost like when Harry met Sally moment, you know, meeting in a lift. It's like a modern day moment. Totally. Um, you know, don't that, you think Lyft should buy that from us? Oh yeah, Seriously. oh yeah. Don't no, you no. think people would want to be Lyft drivers? Like, Distributed oh God, on like, Netflix, produced by Lyft. That's the story. the the totally. The problem is that they don't want their drivers having the romantic side of this. Business is probably okay, but the romantic side maybe gets weird. But um, but what's really yeah, interesting is that go that creepy, is right. right? It go creepy. Exactly. It exactly. doesn't. Yeah. Well, if it does go creepy, we'll just use your basement to shoot the whole thing. <laughs> oh, that's even better. It's so funny because my parents, my parents love him. Like he, they, my whole family like loves him, but my parents love him. They'll be like, oh, how's Peter? And that's my husband, Peter, Wendy. That's really creepy, I know. But, and then it's like Peter Pan, you know, and then he'll say, and how's Noah? My dad's like, how the hell's Noah doing? I'm like, he's doing great, daddy. He's like, give him my love. I'm going to call him. And okay. So that's cool. he became family, which is great. There you go. I mean, family. I mean, talk about sending a letter Maybe there's a video in there. Right. It sounds like there was a live video in there. And, and that right there, that story that you just gave me, that is our thesis right now. You just exactly. summed it up. That's the power of video. And that's what we've been evangelizing since day one. And, um, you know, I remember seeing one of your videos where you just you were just dropping it on LinkedIn. And you didn't you didn't have a care in the world about it. And I was like, you know what? I was like, I like this. I was like, Thank this, you very this much. is a voice right here. This is a voice. So here's and that's why I wanted to interview you. Yeah. Here's the creepy thing. I have no filter. Like, mm. it's so hard for me sitting in this basement to filter. Mm. But um, my kids are like, uh, filter, or they'll just sit, look at me and say, line, you've crossed the line. Part of being vulnerable is knowing that you're in a safe space. So it has to go two ways. I couldn't just be myself you know it's easy in a video selfie when you're just oh i'm going to tell my story hitting the button to send is mm. real publish is a re that's the hardest step i could look better i could you know oh then the truck went by whatever 
And so I really try, which is going to be so effective with dub, is to get it on the first take. If in my head I know what I want to say, like here's the point I want, here's my thesis. And I know that here's how I'm going to set it up. Um, and I go and get on the first take and just hit send. Because after, yes, they may be, you know, concurrent videos, they'd be better, you know, my hair looks better or, you know, the whatever, there wasn't the background noise. It's not as genuine. <clears throat> and the thing about, the thing that I think in business is the genuineness of looking in someone's eyes when we're so far away. And even if we are next to each other, we're still social distancing across the fence. So looking in someone's eyes and being able to read them and see, I, I believe, as we all know, that the eyes are the windows to the soul. Mm. And, and it's really hard to be, a, unless you're completely pathological or narcissistic or something super off the charts, it's really hard to lie with your eyes. So when you get to speak to someone and hear what they're saying, you hear it, you filter it through that that internal meter that's like, that really wrong, that was really true. And I said the story about Noah or when I said this about you're a lot and that was like a deal breaker for him. Like that, I saw how that resonated with you because it, 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 I could feed, read, feed off your your um, energy and realize like, okay, this is what, this is what, that's where our connections are made. It's very hard to do that in vocal. Just voice. It's done, and, and I worked in you know developing telemarketing departments for years, and it can be done. You just have to listen really hard, and listening is a skill that really has gone by the wayside. And and I'm a visual learner, so it's listening is hard. I'm not an audiobook gal, so mm. I want to I want to see someone tell me, and I'm totally okay if you say to me you're a lot, and I can't really manage you, and so I I can't really help you, and I'm sorry. I'm not going to, what about a freak or burst into tears? No, I'm going to say thank you so much for your time and effort. I'd rather a quick no, and I'd rather be able to read your expression for a quick no than a really lengthy no. Oh, let me keep you waiting, you know? <laughs> Those six month or six years no's. Yeah. If you don't, what is uh, um, uh, Dallas Mavericks, I can't think of his name. Um, Mark Cuban? Mark Cuban says, if you're not meeting with me and you don't have a check waiting, then I'm not coming. Yeah. Well, I'm not at that place, so I'm still taking meetings and doing a lot of, um, but there's a lot that has to go in. Mark Cuban's a known known commodity. Yeah. So popular. He's a known commodity, and people really want to give him checks, but he's not going to waste his time. There's right. a for for small business people, people who are launching something. We're not at that place. We're going to take a lot of meetings, and it takes a long time to build that trust because they really don't know about who we are. And who am I? I'm a grandmother, and I'm a mom, and I'm uh, I'm a Jewish mom, so it means I'm going to feed you, and I'm gonna, you know, we're gonna laugh together. And at some point in time, you hear crazy stories about, you know, my backstory, and be and like, what the hell were you doing in prison? I was in prison, and it's kind of a crazy thing. So, and how did you recover? And like all this stuff, like all those things that are ensuing stuff. I didn't do anything. I'm not smart to do any things, so it's a long story. But um, it's the big pictures. Like all those pieces are a component of me, and you have to trust me. And you, my consumers, investors, distributors, people we're going to work with, have to learn how to trust. And they can read the bio and think, "Wow, this chick is kind of really off the charts." I don't feel safe doing that. Or they can read the bio and say, wow, look how far she's come. Like, mm. you know, look at that. Look, And you can see the intensity and that it's not a place, you know, she was never intended to go there. And even the judge who released her is like, why are you here? I know, that's a crazy question. 
Um, so um, we have to be able to trust each other. And I think if you, I see you and you're open and your arms are not crossed and you're not like holding yourself like, oh gosh, you know, I can't have this. You know, this is not somebody that I want to connect with. Um, your, your, your physical stature and everything is very open. You interest me to your son right away. He ran, but he took the, you know, took the snack and ran. So it's like, okay, I'm, I'm willing to open myself and my house and my, my reality to you because I'm not hiding anything. And, and that's something that you, the, the hiding is really easy in a cloaked space. And on video, it is really difficult to, 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 pursue you know to to promote that i'm going to tell you what i want you to know and not what i my reality my reality yeah. my reality is all written all over my face and well there's there's something there's something here that i think that you could you could help us all at i'm honored and to do so and here it is it's kind of specific and it touches upon what you were talking about earlier and i know with your background as a producer and in, in theater and in storytelling and just being you um, is is externalizing the internal, you know? And if you're thinking, so you talked about the one take, the one take wonder. First take, right? first take. Like just show, show me your phone and, you know, I sometimes I'll go to someone and I say, show me your phone and show me your deleted videos. And if I go through it and if I see like 50 of the same video where it's like, hey, I just wanted to, hey, I just wanted to, hey, I just wanted to, right. I'm like, something's wrong here. I'm like, yeah. you're wasting time. And you need to get right. to that. Do you do that? Would you do that in an elevator? Would you do that having a conversation with someone that's your Lyft driver? No, you wouldn't. Would do you do that when you go have? There's like, no do over. There's, there's no do over life, in real there's life. No <laughs> do over. So video is just exactly what you're saying, Ruben. Exactly. Video is exemplifying that I'm willing to show you that I'm not perfect. I may um, sneeze in the middle. I mean, it's stuff. You know, it's kind of, stuff. It's stuff. But that's life, and that's real. And I'm willing to. Sh show that to you because I'm, I'm not afraid. I'm not right. afraid of you know, getting to know who I am in that capacity, not the sneezing yeah. part, but everything else. A full open book. You show me who you are and I'm a lot more likely to do business with you. Yes. Moreover, if you show me who you are and I don't need you for business, I'm a lot more likely to recommend you to somebody that could use you. And I'm all about that so my dad was a real estate broker for 40 years, and he asked me, what sells a house? I think, oh, it's the porch, it's the front, the curb appeal. No. He'd say, the sign. And I was like, you mean a really nice sign with a great logo? He's like, no. When I put a, real, when I put a for sale sign in front of somebody's house, the first thing that happens is the people on the block take note. And the guy three doors down and across the street, more often than not, will call his buddy and say, hey, I know you've been looking for a bigger house. One just went on the market across the street. Um, I'm telling you, they've got a great backyard. We've been there for kids' birthday parties. And you, I know you like our school district and it's close to your church. And hey, why don't you come check it out? And you think that friend who already has a neighbor they, that they like is not going to just make a beeline. Call the, here's the information. Call the realtor. That house is off the market that day. Why? Mm. Because there's so much internal. I can vouch for it. It's really nice on the inside. It's got a two-car tapped garage. Like the stuff, he knows what's going to speak to the buyer. Does he get any commission from it? No. He gets hot dogs next, next you know, in two weeks. Well, he gets a friend. He gets a friend as a neighbor. Across the street. <laughs> you get to cherry pick your neighbors. 
the sign sells the house. Mm. So what I see Dub doing is you're the sign that can sell the house. You're mm. not giving them money or you know providing the paperwork. You're making that awareness available to people. Oh, this is available. I'm available. Mm-hmm. I'm right. I'm looking for. I know somebody who's looking for exactly what you do, and I can attest to the fact that it really works. And that's really important. So for my little bit of research on Dub, that's what you all are doing. And that is the key element in anybody going to the next conversation. Doesn't do anybody any good if you make, if you make the most beautiful, high-tech, sci-fi video in the world, and the people share the video, but they really aren't interested in your product. Mm. What, is, what good does it do? Right. Meanwhile, if I have an emotionally compelling conversation, effective emotional marketing, I tell you what I do and why I do it and why this next project that Noah handed me called My Golden Blood, why this is so impactful. And I and you see in a video, you know, the elevator pitch in essence is it? I'll give it to you right now. It's pretty simple. Imagine, Ruben, you, that someone has decided to destroy 100 million happily ever afters. Mm. Now, imagine that person was you yesterday. Today, you decide to stop what you started. If I, produce, if I deliver that to you and, and give you that pitch and say, is this something that interests you? If you're interested in the material, you're going to holler, you know, they, yeah. If you're interested in who, the way I delivered it, or if you say, you know, you could say it better if you did it, you know, whatever. That's great. Conversely, or if they say, you know, I'm looking for a wacky investment or I've got a daughter who's an actress and I really want her to connect with you. Great. Let him connect. Let's make that emotional connection and everything that comes out of it is going to be good. But I, you have to see people say it. And I, I think we lose that. We sure as heck have lost that with text messages. So, oh, yeah. Dub, so Dub has the ability to just go back and get that. And yeah. imagine if you're the first one on the block that puts up a sign and do that with Dub. Then you're going to be the one. I, that's inspiring. I love the way that you put that together. The thing that I'm frustrated about is that I don't see a lot of people in your space using Dub. I actually don't see a lot of people in cinema, in film, in literary. I mean, pitching a literary agent. Like, what a. I mean, Dub is created for that. And we don't sell it like that. We don't know how to market to that group. It's it's probably hard to advertise to you know writers, uh, but or, or filmmakers. But you know how do we how do we punch through in that space? That's my question for you. So with filmmakers, I think it's um, you, you got to go to the people who build the landing gear. Mm. So a producer is going to be much more interested than um, a, a director. Mm. Or a writer because they don't they are not involved in the sales process. Noah is great at so many things. Like I really only have three skills in the whole world, and he has so many skills. Um, and but he doesn't want to be involved in the sales process. Just let me know what I need to do, because that's just not where he wants to spend his energy. So creatives aren't necessarily going to want to. Producers like me are going to recognize like this is really interesting. Now, the question we're going to ask, we're going to pose to Vincent, our agent, is um, would he open it, a video? If a video came, you know, pitch, and he gets pitched a lot, they, all the good ones do, they get pitched incessantly. But would it, would it tickle his interest if he got a video 
and he saw somebody on the other side that he could work with. Now think about it. Creatives, we are notoriously... I'll be the guinea pig. <laughs> cool. We'll do, you know, we'll do that. Just, <laughs> just random uh, you, sir, in the front. You be the guinea pig. And um, we are notoriously difficult to work with. So imagine if you sign a client, you could have 100 projects in front of you. And you could take maybe 10 on a year, maybe. And 97% people, of the people are a pain in the butt. Well, then you're probably only going to take on three projects that year. Because no matter how much money you think you can make, it's just not worth the stress and strain. And they, there's a wealth of projects, good, bad, and different. And there aren't very many litter agents who are moving material now. So book-to-film agents are a really you know, hot thing. But it's very rare. I mean, there just aren't a lot. So they get pitched a lot. So why not be the one who pitches them differently and shows that really how easy it would be to work with you and how much fun. And that's how I got to Vincent is we were already linked in. And I, call, I texted him and I said, I think we'd have a great time on a phone call. Mm. And that was it. And he's like, okay, I'll take you up on that. And then I elevator pitched a picture of the project. He read it and he called me two days later and he said, well, I'm in, I'll sign you. And I said, okay, great. So we're lucky enough that the project can carry it where I can't. Because um, I can tell you about it. But it's really, and it's really the intensity of it when you read it. To be like, oh, and it's YA. So it's really like in that divergent, you know, Harry Potter kind of a market, but it's a little more Comic-Con-ish maybe. Um, it's a thriller. Mm-hmm. But it's just, yeah, it's, it's a, I'm so thrilled with the way it comes out that when I read it, I still get goosebumps. And wow. I wrote some of it. Yeah, it's really cool. And when I and I wrote a lot of it, so or added a lot of I added a lot of skin on the bones. So there's that. And Noah doesn't like publicity. He's been a friendly camera. He doesn't he doesn't want the pub. Um, so um, Q and A's and things like that. He's always like, she'll do it. She'll do it. She'll do it. <laughs> I have no film festivals. Right. And I have no problem. So we well, have to know our you know, skill you know sets. What you, make me, you know what you make me realize in this is that, that this is all just a big digital party that we're at right now. We're just hanging out totally. at a party and some people are shy, some people are more forward. Some we, people we have all, been drinking. Some people have been drinking. You know, we, we all have to be comfortable in this little crowd that we're in, which is yeah. maybe LinkedIn or YouTube or social, yeah. because if we're not then we're not going to be able to thrive. We're not going to be able to do our business. And we're not, more importantly, going to feel comfortable, you know, if we're at that party and we just don't feel comfortable with ourselves or what's around us, you know? How willing are you to show your landing gear to someone that you don't Mm. know? Yeah. Like that's, it takes a long time to figure out exactly how you're going to get this on the market, right? Dub, you didn't one day wake up and think, gosh, I have a great idea. You know what? We'll launch it tomorrow. Oh, it must have taken a much, and then even then, you've got to be able to adjust your sales. I, I mean, sales as in sailboat, not as in sales, but you've got to be able to literally change how you think of it because all of a sudden something comes up, you're like, wow, that's right. We are a digital party, if you think about it. And the problem is, people are, don't think, they don't know they've been invited to the party. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. We're all at a party and nobody realizes. But if I get an invitation from you, Ruben, and you're like, oh, my gosh, Wendy, there is this con- – got to get on this. This is so cool. You'd be such a great addition. And I – whatever. Whatever the thing is. Oh, my – I think you really get a lot out of this or whatever. Or there's someone here you – whatever it is. Because I know you now, I'm going to take that I'm, I'm going to take that seriously. And I'm going to schedule, make, move everything around so that I can – Ruben says this is a good idea. We're going in. Because you just don't know. We, you just don't know who's going to walk in that party. I was at a film festival 
Palm Street Film Festival probably, I don't know, 10 years ago, eight or nine years ago. And I'm sitting, so I, I, there's an actor, and I didn't know him at all. And um, I just walked over to him and I said, where are the parties? Like, he looked like a young, a young Jewish guy. I'm like, I'm in, okay. He's like, oh. And he looks at me and she's clearly I'm a Jewish mom. And he's like, let's go. So he grabbed people and we went to this party. And it was great. And I'm standing there kind of just waiting for, I don't know what, and we're whatever, just kind of walking in. And I'm, sta- I'm standing kind of by the door of this big tent and it's Palm Springs and it's January and it's, I mean, five inch heels and it was ridiculous. And but it was super fun, great people. And in walks a couple, a young couple. He had a beanie on and, and she's giggling and talking to a friend of hers or whatever. And he turns to me and he says, could I borrow your cell phone? I was like, absolutely. Mom, you know, oh yeah, young. And I, my first thought was, oh my gosh, this is the prettiest face I've ever seen on a young man, on a, on a man. And he's like, okay, and he starts talking. And I'm like, oh my God, it's Zac Efron is using my phone. <laughs> So, and I'm thinking to myself, I've never seen his work, but I knew who he was. And he was just like, just structurally beautiful and just so nice. And so we schmoozed and he's like, what are you doing here? And I said, oh, we're here. Oh, that's so cool and great. And I guess it's so-and-so. And um, he's like, oh, and I'm not gonna say, what are you doing here? Cause you're freaking Zach Efron. But we're like laughing and talking to, he was dating Vanessa at the time and they're like fun. He's like, he might be in beer. I'm like, are you old enough? He's like, never mind." And whatever. And we just, we're laughing and then it goes on. You don't know who's coming to your party. You just don't know. But you know that if you don't open the door, no one's coming. Right. And if someone needs to borrow your cell phone, you should let just them say yes. <laughs> just say yes. Just say yes. Just say yes. So I, I was like, oh, and he hands it back, and it's all good, and then whatever. So you, nobody's going to come to your party if you don't open that door. Right. And how do we open the door? How do you, if you knock on, there's a party and you knock on the door, if a big, ugly dude with scars on top of his tattoos <laughs> opens the door and he's like, what do you want? Mm, you're probably not, I don't know, Ruben, but I'm probably not going in. I'll be like, oh, wrong door. Okay. Somebody opens the door and they're welcoming. Hi, come on in. This is great. And I'm, we're happy you're here. I'm walking in. Well, I might walk in with the dude too. I'm not sure. Whatever. But yeah. <laughs> well, we, you, know, you know what's really interesting is that all the things that we couldn't necessarily do in high school, um, we can now do in our own little digital party because we can we can actually be the host of this party if we want, yeah. at least to a certain extent. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> and a host is all about serving others and exactly. listening and fulfilling right. people's needs, at least if you want to be a good host. I mean, unless right. you're Zac Efron. If you're Zac Efron, you probably don't even worry about other people's stuff. <laughs> he was so courteous about the phone, though. Thank you so much. I really oh. need to make that... Thank, I need to find my friend. Thank you so much. So he was courteous, and it was, you know, it was like a pleasant experience. Um, and I remember going, like, the, a few weeks later, I was at my kids had a roller skating birthday party for somebody, and they were playing the high school musical soundtrack, which mm. I had never seen. I don't know that I've ever seen it to this day. And my daughter comes to me, and she sits down, and she's her, she's just, like, in shock. And she's like, they're all singing to the high school musical soundtrack, and you know him. <laughs> I was like, I'm just a Minnesota mom, kids on roller skates. There's no You're like you know, I have his DNA right here. I licked your, the phone, man. Your <laughs> phone is in a Ziploc bag. It's just hanging on your wall. I, you know, and I was like, nobody got. I didn't think about selfie. It wasn't like one of those things. So it's Billy Crystal, though. I did get a selfie with because Billy Crystal rocks. And then I called oh, home yeah. and I said to my youngest. Um, most plugged in to me and I said um, at the time and I said um, I'm going to give you one line 
of somebody I just met, and I'm never like this, but one line, and I, I bet you know who it is. And I said, "Have fun storming the castle." She's like, "Oh my god, you met Billy Crystal!" Oh, I love that movie. <laughs> is that, so what's the key? Again, it's about what's the story. Inconceivable. <laughs> Inconceivable. I don't think you know what it means. So he, so and he was just lovely, and we spoke for a long time. And the key is. You don't go to the party unless the door is open. Video opens the door. So oh. let let Dub be your doorbell. That's I mean, you just got to open the door. That's key. That's just key. So um, as uncomfortable, people are like, oh, my gosh, I'm so uncomfortable. I have a good friend, Brian Shulman, great guy. His first 20 LinkedIn videos were like, it was like pulling teeth. He called me at 2 o'clock in the morning. Oh, my gosh, I can't do this. I'm not sure. I'm like, yes, you can. We write the script. And we just hash it through, hash it through. And now he's a phenom. He was like the innovator of LinkedIn video. Why? Because he pushed through the uncomfortable part. Yeah. He pushed and, and got to that space where he's like, you know what? Video works. And he has a great backstory. And he is he's the one. He's how I got to meet Billy Crystal. He invited me to a picnic. And there was Billy. So, like, you know, all kinds of cool stuff. You don't know what can happen. So why would you ever restrict yourself? I'm going to use phone and email. That's great. Where would Gary Vaynerchuk be if he didn't have video? And he was doing video way before. Potty mouth there, Gary was doing video way he'd, before. He'd be he'd be passed out somewhere on red wine. <laughs> and be like, okay, this is my. He'd, this he'd is be my the life. he'd be the baker that just ate all the donuts. You know? Totally, because what else could he do? But video, he saw that on the horizon, and he said, I'm gonna I'm gonna capture that. And I'm going to suck the first few hundred times maybe, but I'm going to get better. Because there's a certain level of confidence that if I open the door, if you're willing to throw a party, Ruben, you're damn confident about what you're serving and who you've invited. And so that's that's a thing. So it shows a certain amount of confidence that I'm just willing to let you see who I am. I got got stuff, you know, and I may get interrupted by like a – a kid who walks through, that's cool. And I may get interrupted by, you know, some something may fall apart or something. That's my life. And this is my life. And as a film producer, sometimes those little things get woven into a script later on. And um, I've had a lot of instances where someone would say, oh, my gosh, you know, did you put that in the script? I'm like, oh, that's script worthy. I'll write it down because it's just a great line or a great context or whatever. So, again, Open the door. That's what you're doing. So that's why I'm really uh, becoming a big fan of Dub. I think it's a great idea. I'm looking to delve more using it, getting more into, I upload the apps, and getting more into the process mm. of exploring how far this could take us, you know. Love that. I want to I wanna be part of your journey, and Joey, I want to be part you. of your success. Just I want you to side. read my book. Oh, oh, bring it. I'd love to. I'd love, I'd love to. Great. That sounds awesome. Great. And and so, likewise, by the way, right back at you. Done. I've, 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 I have this. Okay, there's there's two, th- two quick things I actually want to say. Uh, number one is, you know, turn your trauma into your super, superpower. I've never said that before. Totally. I, I kind of realized it as you were saying some of those things, talking about Noah, you know, mm-hmm. talking about yourself, talking about right. all these things, talking about this prison, party there. Cool. prison, high school, cool. like right. these, you know, the scars on top of the tattoos, these, these are all traumas and, and we all suffer from them in our own totally. right. And the weirdest thing, if we lean into them, is that that is where the opportunity is. That is right. where the true right. golden potential and power is. And for me personally, it's, the chase burned by the chase. I totally. could not take it anymore. Chasing investors, 
chasing you know founders right. chasing customers ch i mean the chase right. burned me i could right. not take it anymore it's exhausting and it's exhausting. exhausting and it's like this is such a, and i'd look back 12 months for 12 months what did i do in the last 12 months and i'd have a long spreadsheet and i'd have one column that said status and it was like bad 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 but maybe there's one or two goods in there and i was like wait a minute why don't i have all of these things be good and then right. it's really great if something else right. happens on top like a customer right. or an investor and that right. was my pivot change and that was honestly that is the catalyst story behind dub i here's my message to everyone and i say this as a student not as a teacher of this but let's all turn our process into storytelling Let's exactly. be at our digital party and just get people to like us and hang out and have right. a good time and good things will get happen. Get people to see us. If they yeah. don't like it, great. There's that unfollow button, you're out. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm Love not going to be everybody's flavor. Nobody, Not everybody likes vanilla. That's cool. So on the other side of it. Oh, but you're not, totally... you're, not, you're not vanilla. You're like pistachio with caramel and chocolate. And <laughs> salted caramel. Oh, yeah, I am. Totally am. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm a lot. I know, right? Lot. So that, so um, I love what you just said. And I think that really we think that our pain, the more you keep it down and, and quiet, keep it quiet, the more it hurts. Mm. A splinter hurts if it's left in. Once you take it out, it doesn't feel so great, but you take it out and you expose it to air and you're like, oh, you know what? In a couple of days, I'll be past this. Yeah. So it's a really big component. Like when I, you know, I spent six months and five days on a 10 year sentence, six months and four days actually after the chief judge took me out of prison and said, I don't know why you're here at all. He filleted the attorney general for prosecuting me with, I had no, they couldn't really find a crime even. I had no, um, no, there was no fine. I had, they're like, well, everybody's got, fine. no, I didn't have one because I didn't do anything wrong. So, um, and they filleted the attorney general and then sent me home. And so you're like, oh, how do you regroup? How do you readjust? I've been fighting this for three years. It was ridiculous. And so we see it more and more in the courts. People are just convicted because or just because whatever. So go further in this. And then I did this whole speaking tour all over the world because I was like, I'm a pariah. Like, who's going to do business with me? But people want to hear my story. And the more I told my story, not for me, for them, I got the most out of it. So if we start to think about the fact that we don't know who needs that splinter to be removed that I have the tweezers my story is the catalyst for them to go wow that hurt her I get it that hurt me but look what she what look what she did on the other side of this look you know look at those things not holding myself up because we all have the capacity to grow through it they're not lessons they're blessings you know they're blessings and they're lessons mixed together and if we take it like that it's like wow that projected me to the next level so uh, I look at a lot of um, people who come in contact with me or reach out. And they're like, oh, my gosh, I've had it so hard. And um, it's been, such a, you know, I came through so much. The key element is I came through, just like you said, you know, the fire. So in 2019, no and I set the word for the year was push. And we pushed. Literary agent finished the book. We pushed really hard. I realized how much energy it took to push. So at the end of the year, we sat down for a long time and we decided the year of 2020 was going to be pull. And what we were going to do is we we're going to give, he was going to give in his ways and I was just, and we were going to have the right energy and the right team around us. They were going to pull the people who we needed to be in front of to us. And we've been 
you know, and I mentor a lot of people, I speak to a lot of people, counsel a lot of people, like, how do I get out of this? How do I get, I'm in a rut, how do I do this? And my answer is always the same. So I just gave this example last night, but I love this story. Um, there's a rabbi, Rabbi Tversky is his name, and he is one of the foremost experts in psych- he's a psychiatrist in, in addiction issues. And he wears a big, long black coat, like a big white beard. You never look at this guy and think, oh, yeah, he, you know, but he, this is his area of expertise. And he said he was in a, he was in a dentist's office, and he's flipping through a magazine, and it says, there was an article, How Do Lobsters Grow? Mm. He's like, I don't really care about lobsters, but I was sitting there reading the article, and I thought maybe I learned something from it. So lobsters hatch, and they're little squishy things, and they go under a rock, and they hide. And shortly, an ectoskeleton forms around them, and they, they go off from under the rock. They're relatively protected, and they, they go do lobster business. They eat, they play, they whatever. And as they eat and they grow, that shell becomes uncomfortable. It's too tight. So they have to put themselves under another rock in a safe place. The shell splits. They step out of the shell, and they have to hunker down and stay safe for a little while. And another shell grows, and they go out and they do the lobster stuff. And this happens. 12 or 15 times over the course of a lobster's life. Mm. He said, if we're not uncomfortable, we don't grow. Mm-hmm. And when we're uncomfortable, it's a sign that we have to take what's going on around us and we have to grow. We have to. So <clears throat> I, I would talk to women in prison about this when I would counsel them and I would, you know, make, we'd make like this little hand thing like this. Like, yeah, you're lobsters. It's uncomfortable now, but you're growing. So there's no... I think the most compelling component in video is that we get to see people, sometimes they have their shell, sometimes their shell's uncomfortable, sometimes they're under the rock and they have to just wait for the, be patient and persistent and let their shell grow and they can come out. And video reveals that much better than, I'm fine, mom, everything's great. Well, that's not real. But real is watching the people will shed their shells many times and the catalyst for growth is being uncomfortable. And Rabbi Tversky says, if you, you know, if you go to a doctor you, and then you say, I'm uncomfortable, they give you Vicodin, they give you Percocet, they give you antidepressants, and you don't feel uncomfortable anymore. But then there's no growth there. Mm-hmm. And you clearly, in, in this, this journey that you're on, have decided that the un- discomfort is worth the price. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, that's the price we pay for, being, for allowing people to, to empowering people to tell their story in a way that other people will look at it and say, I could do business with that guy. I could, uh, I could do business with Dub. I, I, could, I, I can get on that platform and show who I am because I may have walked through fire. I may have gotten singed a bit, but I made it through. That's Winston right. Churchill says, well, I'm going, when you're going through hell, just keep going. Well, that process, as you said, documenting the process, it's a fire, you're right. And sometimes it's hot and miserable. But the key is when you are attuned with that process, you're going to be able to um, attract people who are intrigued by the fire that you've gone through. And they're going to come to you. You're going to pull them towards you. And you're going to say, this is my truth. This is my, I'm as vulnerable as I can be. Say what you want. This is my reality. And I'm here to do this. And if this intrigues you, you know, call, hit me up. And when someone hits me up on LinkedIn, I try the first thing I try and do for them right away is I ask them point blank, how can I add fuel to your fire? What is it you need? People from all over the world call me and they ask me, can you help me find my why? Alice Simon Sinek. Absolutely. I do all the time. I got a Facebook call from a gentleman in Guam 
I didn't know where Guam was actually, but I mean, I knew it was an island somewhere. And he called me and he's in the car with his wife and we drill down and I hear what he says and I can hear the words he punctuates and see what his reaction is to those words. And sure enough, we pull out his why very succinctly and he bursts into tears. Mm. He said, my whole life I've been looking for that. You already had it, you just, once we put it into words and you do it with somebody, it has impact. My why is to incite gratitude. I don't want to, ins- I don't want to inspire gratitude, Ruben, that means I did something. I want to tell stories that take people to a place where they like, wow, I'm so grateful that that bad thing happened because everything good that I learned out of that pro- projected me to a different life. You know, can, that you, happened. can you imagine if, if we didn't have those hard times, what we would be like as human We'd be beings? robots. We'd be robots. We wouldn't have any compassion. We wouldn't understand. We wouldn't want to have a conversation. We'd be afraid because yeah. you could tell me something that I don't want to hear. You know, there's a lot of stuff I probably don't want to hear, but at the same time, there are a lot of things that I, I need to hear because that's a new shell for me. And then I go on. It's it's almost like we need to be sort of future forward masochists where <laughs> when oh. we are going through hell, Winston Churchill's hell yeah. or, you know, trials, yeah. tribulations that we know that we're going to get through it now. That's right. Yeah. We have to know. So where does that come from? Higher power, trust. We have to believe that we were built with the capacity to get through it. Yeah. You know, we were built. And, that, and that's just self-love, right? That is self-love. And that's involving self-care. Yeah. Some people are stressed out now because they've been locked down. How do they go back to the real world? And what do they do? And masks and, and all kinds of stuff. And there's so much anxiety. And you hear that. I, I live in Minnesota. We are the champion of riots for, you know, we terrible things happen here. And people erupted. And it was horrible. And they were locked down for three months. And then poof, it was just bad. So we have to look at the bigger picture that everybody's going through something. And what we're going through, you know, there's a great old Yiddish expression. If you and all your friends got together and they brought a big bag of all their troubles and they put them in the, you know, sitting around the table, kitchen table and everybody opened their bag and you looked at all the other troubles everybody has, you take your bag of crap and go home. Because you, your own stuff is what you can handle, but you can't handle what it, the other troubles. You can help them handle it, but you, you would not choose to be in their situation. Mm. Oh, my stuff is so bad. My stuff isn't so bad. I have the capacity to persevere and to get through it because I was built with a strong shell and I can do it. So there's a lot. I mean, there's just a lot to unpack here. And all of it starts by looking someone in the eye, watching them listen to you speak, and you know instantly if you can do business with them and that's the key it's the eyes it's the, how they listen it's the active listening part that you're really good at Ruben and it's just like how do I quickly because the world is, goes quick how do I quickly measure if this person measures up mm. and the answer is really simple look them in the eye and speak to Boom. them you know that's and that's it you come to the party decide you're going to come in the door it doesn't it looks kind of sketchy or are you going to leave Right. And then trusting that gut instinct that you get when you talk to somebody, trust the gut, self-care, love yourself, trust yourself, that divine spark in all of us that says, mm, this is probably a bad thing. And then, yeah. back, and then walk away. Walk away love happily. That. I save myself from a lot of heartbreak or issues. And so I'm just not going to do that. Right. You know, because I think highly enough of myself not to put myself in that situation. Amazing. So. So where can we uh, where can we find more about you and learn about you? And you've got some amazing projects going on. It sounds like super cool, super cool stuff. We're so I'm so blessed. So um, 
you know what? LinkedIn is a great way to, to connect. That's an awesome spot. Um, uh, obviously, Facebook, Instagram, uh, my golden blood will be what we're going to publish. Um, I'd like to be have us. We're, we're negotiating to have us out later this year. The book, the first book in the series. It's a series of three. Um, there are three lead characters, and there are each one of the books comes from the perspective of one of the three characters. And so it's a continuous story, but it's told by a different voice because everybody sees things differently. And um, here's the really cool thing. So in the hardcover book, um, there are embedded codes in there. You put your phone over the code and you see a 15 to 30 second 3, 3D mocap animation video of what you're reading. Wow. So we've in, in hardcover books, obviously the ebook, but the hardcover books because... We heard a statistic that just blew us away, just blew us away. See, allegedly, 60% of the people who graduate from high school never read a book again for pleasure. Never read a book again. Like, what? I believe that. So integrating all the different mediums, all the different, like, you know, imagine you've got ebook and you swipe left and you're reading the narrative and you swipe left again and suddenly one drop of blood goes down the screen and you're like, oh crap, this is some serious stuff. And then you just go on and you see the next, and then the next scene and then the next scene, it can pop up. So the technology is available to us. We are in the process of creating the platform that makes that work. I'd love to work with Dub and talk to you about how we can integrate us, you know, our, what we're doing because um, it's really about when you see it, it's real. And then, obviously, that goes from there to people getting a visual impression of what the game will look like, and then poof, rolling that out the game. That is super interesting. <laughs> Thank you. Thank wow. you. It's well, not been I learned done. a lot. Will be. Yeah. Will be. We we have more conversations to have after this. So anytime I want to further our conversations, but and I'm happy to roll it out. I'd love to do some. You know, we can think about. Let, let's talk about how we can, you know, roll these little 3D bow caps out on dub. Wouldn't that be cool? That's really interesting. I want to learn more about that. Yeah. Happy to. Thrilled to talk yeah. about it. So we've got a great mocap studio in Mount Horeb, Wisconsin, right outside of Madison. Uh, Mad Marker Studios. We, uh, I put Noah's 6'3 and 170 pounds. So we strapped him in a Lycra suit with the little dots all over it, and we shot a bunch of footage. Oh, wow. And, um, and he's like, why don't you get in the suit? I'm like, no, I am built for comfort, not speed. You go. <laughs> you you go. And um, and it's, so it's a... Uh, um, a really fascinating way to tell multiple ways to tell a story and make the impact. Well, so, please tag me in some of your, totally, some of your future posts. And, totally uh, well, I'll, thank you. I'll do the same. And we have Honored. a bunch of stuff coming out from this convo. We're going to chop it up and we're going to kind of cool. distribute it out there. Perfect. So can't wait to connect to more. Excellent. Thank you so well, much, Wendy. The honor is mine. Thank you so much for sharing the time. And I look forward to our next conversation. Likewise. Thanks. Bye, Wendy. Be well. Bye.